0: Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.
1: This is Kevin Brooker, and we are cruising through retirement. You know, the summer has been mostly calm in the stock markets, but lately a lot of pre-retirees and folks that are getting ready to retire are saying that they're worried about a market crash. We're seeing signs of inflation, and uh, what we're going to do on today's show, we're going to give you some ideas to help safeguard your retirement.
0: welcome on everybody this is cruising through retirement with kevin Brooker. i'm consumer advocate steve sudall of course kevin a fiduciary independent investment advisor representative with silverleaf financial silverleaffinancial.com is the website more than 30 years you've been helping folks get to and through retirement and you've (laughs) hey kevin how's things
1: Oh, things things are great. So you know what? It's it's a little strange to be here. We're doing this one a little earlier in the week than normal, but it is right. always good to be here.
0: Well, I mean again, yeah, we've got the holiday week going on, so happy Thanksgiving that's, and all that and uh
1: That's it. So Yeah, I hope everybody has a fantastic Thanksgiving and because of that we uh we're recording a little bit earlier this Sure. Week. Um and so
0: you know, we talked about this uh, you know, we've talked about this before, about getting back to normal, feeling some kind of normal. But again, you know, the market all of a sudden does its burp and then and then, you know, COVID and, uh, you know, all of that comes into play. But I thought yes. it interesting to some of these statistics from that Allianz Life Quarterly Market Perceptions Study. It's a long, long name, but that, but again, it's inter- yeah. <laughs> interesting. Some interesting stats, though. And, and uh, let's let's see how that compares to what you're hearing.
1: No, by all means, by all means. I, You know, a lot of people, everybody's noticed inflation, right? And of depending course. on the news channel you look at, that's all they're talking about.
0: Yep, it um, is.
1: You, you know, on the good news, guys, the good news, if you actually look at what, how many, okay, if you look at it in terms of how many hours it takes the average worker to pay for this Thanksgiving meal, and you compare it that way, that takes into, into account wages and how wages have increased, let's say, over the last 30 years as well. And for the record, wages have increased at a faster rate than inflation. So that's the good news. The good news is taking, you know, so the good news is taking a smaller piece. In other words, it's taking less time for that average worker to pay for the Thanksgiving meal, including the recent inflation we've seen. And that's because wages have gone up, you know, over the last 30 years. Luckily, wages have been going up at a faster rate than inflation. So our buying power in that case, you know, obviously it's been reduced a little bit with the inflation, but to put it in perspective, um, you know, we've overall been doing very well in this, is the first round of inflation. I, I believe we've really seen in, in a considerable period of time.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, absolutely. And, and so I think it's taking a lot of people by surprise, and they automatically assume that we're heading into a recession. And so let me ask you this Do you think the, the economy is as bad as what some people are saying right now?
1: Uh, actually, I think it's quite the opposite, Steve. I think the economy is actually doing extremely well. I'd, I'd say it's doing damn well, um, damn very well. All right. I mean, you've, the the reason why um, you know, we've seen a lot of these things happen is because the, a lot. Of, let's face, let's face it. For the first time in our in our lifetime, basically the entire economy shut down last year as right. a result of as a result of COVID and the infections and everything else. So the entire world shut down. And what's happening to cause a lot of these bottlenecks now is that a lot of different parts of the country, for instance Vietnam and Southeast Asia, a lot of those factories where a lot of companies have their stock have their things manufactured. They've been going. They've been shut down too, and they've been going through the COVID infections and quarantines and all that too. And it's impacted the labor force around the world, and and that's what's caused uh, the shortage of goods and leading up to the the hikes in inflation and the hikes in prices because you know uh, basic economics, right? We got we got too many dollars chasing too few goods. Sure.
0: Well, and again, but that, I think you, you raise a good point there, that, that the economy in reality is in pretty good shape. And, and I know there's the gloom and doomsayers out there, but we, how do we choose to, how do we get around that? How do we, do we just ignore that? Or, or Because I think the facts speak for themselves.
1: I, I, think, I think it depends on, um, I think a lot of the facts do speak for themselves. And I think if you believe, that people vote with, you know, let's let's in this case say they vote with their money and I'm referring to the stock market and how they're investing those dollars. Sure. All right. The stock market today, you know, it was early in, in the first forty about forty-five minutes into this morning's market, the stock market, the S&P, and I'm talk let's I'm gonna say the SP five hundred and the Dow, yep. both hit record record all time highs. I watched it
0: happen. It's so uh, so weird.
1: That's that's not house, bad. <laughs> right? Forty not, so if if you believe the stock market is a reflection of the economy. Then to me that says you know what well there's a whole lot of money out there that's betting that this economy is growing and it continued to grow, and, and I think to me that's the indicator because the fact is if you look at if you look at corporate profits you know it, you know seven, over seventy percent I believe of the of the companies that have reported earnings for the latest quarter have beat expectations and earnings expectations have, have grown tremendously in the last year and if you go back to you know 2019 a lot of folks are leaving out the last year of, you know due to COVID of course. Uh, but the growth is still very strong. And, and that's why uh, one of the reasons why a lot of people are saying, you know, it's time for the Fed to pull back from the punch bowl. You know, in other words, t- they're talking about the taper, meaning cut back in the monthly bond purchases um, that the Fed has been. The, the Federal Reserve has been you know, artificially supporting our bond market by buying uh, bonds. Uh, Powell is the first Fed governor to ever expand that to, for instance, corporate bonds. He's the first one to do that. Yellen didn't do that. Uh, you know, Bernanke never did that. You know, so there's, they've been extraordinary measures that have supported the economy. But uh, but my my belief is that the economy is growing very, very well. And, and in fact, I think it's grow, I, I think they could cut back on the bond purchases. And I think they could probably raise interest rates sooner rather than later. Uh, but to me, those are signs of a strong economy, not a weak economy. And I think it's important that people separate out the politics, separate the noise if you listen to stations that are political, if you listen to stations that you know are anti-Biden, all right, you know, I think we all know the three letters of that network. All right. It, you can figure out that their agenda is political. And, and um, you, you know, and so I think you should try to try to get the news on the economy from business sources, not from the major, ne- from the major networks. I think if you get it from business sources, there's less politics, but obviously some of the, you know. Some of the people behind the largest business publications are also very political, so I think it's important to recognize your source and where you're getting the information. But from an economic standpoint, to me, the 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 economy looks very strong. Um, I think once I think if we could get higher vaccination rates for COVID, I think that would take care help help the labor market in terms of helping to fill a lot of these jobs. I think a lot of people, like a lot of people in the service sector, they quit those jobs because of some of the crazy behavior from customers about the whole face mask thing. Sure, and 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 it's gotten crazy, swinging at swinging at flight attendants, breaking breaking the nose of a flight attendant because she's trying to enforce the safety rules. I mean, what what the hell? Yeah. So it's it's just it's just gotten crazy, and so I think there's other ancillary factors that are affecting our economy. You know, and and the fact that a lot of people have quit the service sector, which guys in, in most that's food, that's food and service hospitality generally. Yep. So it's like hotels, motels, you know, servers and restaurants, things like that um, is your hospitality sector is, is, is how a lot of us define it. And but a lot of those people, they didn't sign up for, you know. I don't what do, what do we call it? Active duty warfare or something? You know, no, combat. No, of course not. Combat pay. They didn't sign up for combat, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, I mean, you got eighteen year old hostesses that are being attacked by middle aged men because they don't want to wear a damn mask. I mean, I, I just think it's outrageous. So, sorry, guys, I don't mean to get off track, um, but a little civility and decorum would be nice. Well, would, yes. Um, you know, but but in terms of the economy, I think what's happening is that I I, I really think a lot of the a, a lot of the reasons why it's gotten so divided and so crazy in this country is I think a lot of people are being inundated by messages from media all over the place that is a lot of it's not true and 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 a lot of it's causing a big old mess and I think a lot of reasons the people if people that have the perception that the economy is not strong I question whether they're getting where they're getting that news from and exactly how they're saying it's not what about the economy is not strong right it's not corporate profits. It's not sales growth. It's not you know, and the metrics that that most of us follow. Now, of course, I'm not talking about cruise ships. Okay, I'm not. Yeah. And I'm not referring. And I'm not referring to airlines. You know, um, those companies. You know, like airlines in particular, I wouldn't touch them. I I, I think it's very very difficult to figure out the, the airline industry unless you're purely speculating. You know, because if you if you guys have looked at the moves, those things can swing ten percent in a day easily. And, and so I, I think it's important to look at the source. But going back to what we were talking about earlier, let's say you do have concerns about the market. and Let's say you're concerned about it because the valuation is high, which is very true. Well, the market is trading at a high valuation on an earnings standpoint, even though earnings have been very strong. Um, it doesn't mean it's considerably overvalued. In my, in my view, it's maybe 10% overvalued, but, but not extremely like back in, let's say, 20 years ago or in 2000. Um, where, where the valuation was, you know, through the roof. Mm-hmm. But but the good news, guys, is that there are things you can do. There are things you can do to protect yourself and to keep that money safe, and 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 to take it out of the money market. If you're sitting on a lot of cash, I know a lot of folks are sitting. I've met some folks that are sitting in, what I would say is, you know, extreme levels of cash because they just don't they don't know where to put the money. And the good news is there, there are things you can do that can protect your money and give you good growth. Should, should the markets do well, you can participate in that growth but you don't have to risk a dollar of it if the market crashes or turns south.
0: How can we do that?
1: You, you, you know what I, I think we need to we need to first you know we talk about what, what what your needs are and how much risk you want to take things like that guys. but a lot of my clients they've got money in the stock market and they've got money in, in what I call in what are called index annuities. And before somebody turns away and says, Oh, I don't want to talk about those. All right, guys, I, I say in my book, I wrote a book recently, I co wrote a book recently. And I say, one of the chapters is titled annuities are not a bad word. Right, okay? And and, and you, you owe it to yourself to check them out. Okay, now, let me first say there are a lot of them that I wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole because they've got they're they're, they're just lousy products. All right. And I'm gonna I want to remind you that that's, that's really the case with pretty much everything. In other words, there are good cars and bad cars, there are good people and bad people. And and in the case of the annuities, there are really good ones. And there are some really lousy ones. So it's it's important to find somebody that you're comfortable with that you trust that knows what they're doing, that can help you figure out whether you should consider one. And if so, which one you should take a look at and which, you know, which features you should attach to it. A A lot of people don't realize there's a lot of flexibility with with annuity contracts. And you can add Things to it that might be of big benefit to you, but they also might be an expense that's not that that doesn't make sense for you to pay if you don't want it. All right, and and that's really one of the biggest mistakes that I see, Steve, that people make uh, with annuities is that you know un- unfortunately they've got they've gotten into one that's got expenses for something that they're not using, and and so they're paying they're kind of wa- they're wasting money essentially if they're not going to use it. So it's important that you understand what you have, and and if you don't want to take a look at it, and that's not what you're you know you're not into that then just find an advisor you can work with that can handle it for you.
0: Well, I think you make a good point because it's one of the things that you strive for is education. And and I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Annuities are sold by a lot of different organizations and by a lot of different people. And if you're just looking at annuities and not the overall big picture, that to me seems like it could be the wrong approach.
1: It, 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 I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think, I think what's important is, well, first of all, we don't start there. I don't, I don't start, right. you know, saying something, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that everybody should have an annuity, right? Yeah. Well,
0: so that if, yeah, if, if an advisor starts a conversation that way, walk out.
1: You should just walk out. <laughs> just, <laughs> yes. just end it right there. Don't waste any more of your time, really. Right. And, and, and you know what? I'm going to say the same thing. If they tell you you should put all your money in the stock market, I'm going to tell you the same thing. You should probably stand up and walk out. All right, because if they haven't had a ch- if they haven't had a chance to get to know you, if you're just meeting them for the very first time, then you need there should be a whole conversation, you know, about your goals and objectives, your timeline and your liquidity needs. And, and how, you know, in other words, what do you need for cash flow? Do you need to be making withdrawals from these accounts? And if so, how much? Um, and, 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 of, ca- of course, how much risk do you want to take? Are you willing to risk all the money? You know, if you put it all in the stock market, then every dollar's at risk, right? Yeah. And, and so can, can you, can you stomach a 20% drop? All right. And you'd be okay with it. You know, and when I say stomach, it means it's okay. It means you're okay with it. I don't, because I certainly wouldn't want anybody, you know, stressed out or losing sleep or feeling anxious, you know, because, because the markets are down, but guys, I'll tell you what, I guarantee you, this is this, I can guarantee the markets will drop. They will drop. All right. I have no idea when I have no idea how much, but we all know it's going to happen. Sure it is. And, 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 you know, so the issue is what we're all trying to figure out is right. Can you? How long can you stay invested, and can you keep the money growing in the market when we're having really good years? You know, like now, the market's up twenty plus percent for the year, right? Sure. But it's been but it's been a little bit of a ride. You know, it hasn't been terrible. I mean, the last hundred days, I think we've barely even had a two percent correction. But you know, historically speaking, the market can fluctuate fifteen percent up or down in any given year. And and so you you just you know anybody that's been in the market, you've gone through it. And and so the first thing that I really like to do when I sit down with somebody is figure out, you know, where they are cash flow wise. You know, how much they have in debt. We look at their personal balance sheet and figure out what they're going to need for cash flow. You know, in other words, how much you have in Social Security. What do you have in pensions? If you have a pension, do you have other sources of income that are going to help pay the bills in retirement? Right, because all those bills keep coming, right? And we know oh, they never get, stop, and they're just going to keep getting bigger, right? Always. So. I, I really we all know they're not going to lower our property taxes, right? So <laughs> doesn't so, seem likely. <laughs> I think that's probably you know. I wish I could buy a call option on that. You know what? Can I bet on that? Can yeah. I invest? I need a, I want a call option on electricity prices over the next ten years. Anyway, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, you, you know, and I, you probably can do it. But anyway, that's that's not. I'm, I'm joking, um, but I'm, I'm not joking when I say we all know these prices are going higher. And so it's important that when we're, when you're doing your portfolio and you're doing your planning. Uh, you know, for the next, whether whether it's three years, five years, 10 or 20 years that we factor in inflation, right? Because uh, otherwise we're going to be stuck with a situation where you've got the same $100 that you did from 50 years ago. And we all know that $100 is not going to buy you the same, it's not going to buy you as much popcorn as it did back then. No. So, you know, we, so we want to take a look and make sure we've got ways. To me, I like to see, I like to see your sources of income all guaranteed. And, uh, but everybody's, everybody's not into that and everybody doesn't, you know doesn't uh, isn't concerned about it and some people are perfectly comfortable taking their income from the stock market. And so if you are one of those people, what I'd suggest that you do is try to put yourself in a spot that you could turn off that income. Uh in other words, if let's say the stock market tanks 20%, 30% and maybe at maybe at that point you don't want to keep taking money out, maybe that's when you should be adding money to the stock market. And and so I would say to think about that possibility because what I'm hoping is that anybody that's living off of income from the stock market has the ability to turn it on or off. In other words, it's discretionary money that you don't need. So you could turn it off if you wanted to. Um, and, and to me, that would be the ideal situation. And that your money in the stock market, market is discretionary. Sure. And and so you can afford to lose it and so you don't get stressed out about it. Uh, and that's a perfect scenario for the money that's in the market. But if But if you're worried about that, if you want to keep some of it safe, then there are other vehicles that we can talk to that are contractually guaranteed. Um, and I'll tell you what, Steve, did you know if you had one of these for the last 10 years, I can show you average returns of 8% for the, last ten, for the last 10 years.
0: That's pretty good. All I mean, right. That's really I, good.
1: <laughs> I'm going to call that market crash protection. I, well, I, protection. I, like,
0: I like the way that sounds.
1: All right. If you want to be protected from a market crash, give me a call. I'll be happy to go through it with you. These have averaged, you know, be, between 7 and 9%, you know, and these, what we did, guys, so to give you an idea. And what I'm saying in these is, is it's important that you that you should. This is something else you probably should consider when you're looking at performance, right? You want to say, well, maybe they're just cherry picking the dates, right? Maybe they're picking, you know, if we started on X date in, in I don't know, 2011 to 2021, maybe you can cherry pick the dates, right? Um, and and there are some there are some sayings around, you know, what's something like you know, figures don't lie, but liars figure so, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and, and that's for people that are, in, that are in any number of businesses dealing with numbers. They cherry pick the numbers to, to they find the numbers to support whatever it is, whatever argument it is they want to make. Right. Right. So let me let me give you an idea. What this what this one does and what I can show you is uh, this is an, an annuity contract and they show you uh, the most recent 10 years. You know, so it's from the end of 2010 to the end of 2020. And then they show you the uh, the highest period. Right. The best returns, which in this case were nine point one percent. And these are rolling 10 year periods. So, so for instance, on the S&P 500, the low would have been August of 2000 to August of 2010. The high for the S&P 500 would be March of 09 to March of 19. In other words, those are the 10 year rolling periods that saw either the best or the worst returns. Okay. And so we're, so we're looking at it on a monthly basis. Actually, it's a weekly basis every week going back 20 years and saying, if you put money into this contract, any one of those weeks the worst return uh came in at 7%, the highest came in at 9.1 and the last 10 years came in at 7.89. So to me if you can see returns between 7 and 9% with no market no fear of a market crash, no risk of a market loss, then to me, you know what, it might make sense to take a look at for a piece of your money. For a piece of it that you want to keep safe and say you no matter what happens, I don't want to take a chance I lose a dime of this money because the market crashes.
0: Sure. I think that's a- I mean, I think a lot of people have that approach, don't they? Or at least they should.
1: They, You know what a lot of people do? And in fact, you know, it, it, it's funny, actually, is going back to the survey that um, I think this was from the same survey they were talking about before that Allianz Life Survey yeah. we talked about. Yep. Um, but the, the percentages, you know, are, it came back at 72%. Say they said they would be willing to trade off some upside growth potential to have protection from a market loss. Right. G- guys, that's exactly what an index annuity does you give it you're nobody can give you all of the growth of the market with none of the risk right it's just not possible if it is possible then try to put yourself on that side of the table because if you can do it i'd love I, you know i'll sign up yeah exactly um, exactly you know, it, show me the way <laughs> show me the way cuz the numbers just don't work right? So, right so so you don't get all the growth but you get enough of it that you could have seen as i mentioned about an 8% return over the last 10 years and you wouldn't have had to, you wouldn't have had any concerns at all anytime you saw the market dropped it, it wouldn't matter it, do, it just doesn't matter because these don't lose money because of a market drop. If the market drops, you just see it. You stay at zero. So if you've got a hundred thousand in the account, and the market gets cut in half. You still have a hundred thousand dollars in your account, okay? Yeah. But then when, but then when the market starts to go up again, you participate right away and you're making money again right away. As opposed to somebody that was in the market, their their account's been cut in half. It could take them a decade before they're back to break even. So I can show you times. I can show you periods of time. Where you'd have made more money in a safe in a safe product, we call them safe money products, such as this, where you'd have made more money in one of these because you didn't suffer the losses, versus having money just in the S and P five hundred index. Let's say, right? And, and so so it all depends, you know. The thing the thing, uh, you know, a lot of people realize, like I said. So seventy two percent of the of the folks said they would be willing that were surveyed, you know, I feel like it's I feel like it's a game show, um, yeah. you know. But nonetheless, seventy two percent of the surveyed respondents indicated they would trade off some upside growth. Uh, to have that protection from market losses, mm-hmm. and that when you looked at those with high high investment assets, which they defined as over two hundred grand, the number jumped to eighty two percent. Okay, and I think it's because the more money you get, you realize how hard it was to accumulate that money and to save that money, right? Yes, and 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 I think that that a lot of people, you know, eight out of ten, they want to keep some of it safe, and 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 this is this that's actually where most of my clients fall, guys, and and where they come in. Is the great majority they you know they they most of them have something in the stock market and they also have something in guaranteed products that are safe. The difference is the amount with each, right? How much risk somebody wants to take. If somebody wants more risk, they'll have more a higher percentage in the stock market. Um, But to me, it makes total sense to have some of it safe. That that is rock solid. Doesn't matter what happens. Okay, that money is going to be safe because this market this we have been in a long bull market and and I do think that economically speaking, like we talked about earlier. It looks like the market should still be strong, at least for I would say at least for another year. Most analysts and strategists are calling for another seven, eight percent gains in the next twelve months, and and I think that looks very reasonable. But if you can, you know, but it is a high valuation, and we all know we could see a couple of years of of negative performance at any point in time, and and so it's important to recognize that. And if you'd like to figure out ways to protect some of it, that's where I can come in, and I can help you figure it out.
0: If you'd like to reach out to Kevin, it's 800-975-6717, 800-975-6717, or just visit SilverleafFinancial.com. You can reach out and connect with Kevin there as well, SilverleafFinancial.com. And, of course, you can also find his book. He mentioned that a moment ago, The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. uh, That is also available on your website.
1: Yes, by all means, guys. And all you have to do is go to the website. There, there's a contact form and you just put in your, your, your name and your email and I'll be happy to send you, send you the book free of charge. There's no charge for it. Um, you know, if you'd like to talk about it, I'm happy to answer any questions. And, and there's a lot of ideas in there about ways that if you, if you are trying to address long-term care, I can show you, how, you can, how we can do it on a tax-free basis. So at least if you do have to pay for it, you don't have to do it with after-tax money. Wow. OK, well, I mean, again, those are the kinds of things. And to me, that that's why
0: working with someone like you, Kevin, who's one, you've got a lot of experience, more than 30 years, you're independent, you're fiduciary. And, you know, the old adage, you get what you pay for. And, you know, it's worth every dime to me to work with somebody like you to, to again, to protect me, if you will, uh, going through retirement. And that's what oh. we want. I mean, that's all we want.
1: I, I, I think that's that that's the common that's the common denominator, right? And and well, there's a lot of folks that I meet, you know, that they've been doing it on their own with their four hundred one k things like that for most of their working lives, and then they get into the fifties or maybe early sixties, and then they want to get another person's perspective and say, you know what, I I, I want to make sure that you know you know I get a, get a second opinion, right? Yeah. And and I think that can be invaluable. I think that you know if uh, I, hopefully nobody focuses too much on that fee. Um, you know, I will say, depending on where you're at, the management fee that I charge for investments is generally quite a bit lower than 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 a lot of the uh, than the averages and a lot of what most of people are playing. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks that are still paying one percent on two and three million dollar accounts. And, and I could save you a lot of money just on that fee if you guys are interested. Um, but it's not just that it's not just about managing the accounts. It's also about helping you avoid any potholes, you know, helping you miss any any. Uh, you know, helping you avoid the storms, if you will, mm-hmm. and 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 keeping keeping things safe, and and helping you out on other issues also. You should be able to talk to your advisor about everything financial, uh, whether it's something that they're specifically involved with or not. You know, for instance, I, I talk. You know, uh, my clients will call me about their mortgage or their car insurance. Uh, I don't deal directly with those things, but but I'm but I've been in the business a long time, and and I'm happy to help you figure it out. Uh, so you can save money in, in, in any way possible. And because it's all money that we can invest, right? We can grow. And, uh, and if you wind up having too much put away, You know, then then that's a problem we can help you figure out, too.
0: Well, you know, you you mentioned earlier, you talked about streams of income. And I know uh, the IRS has the IRS pointed out that the average millionaire has seven streams of income. And again, to be able to turn those on and off at will and when it makes sense, that becomes a, a really solid
1: retirement and income plan. No question, no question. And you know what? I think I think we could all do a lot worse than following the path that, that very wealthy people have followed, right? <laughs> all right, exactly. All right, because they got they got wealthy for a reason, and they kept wealthy because they probably have a lot of really good advisors, uh, you know, that that help yeah. them figure these things out. And and so you know, ideally, ideally, we should have several streams of income. You know, um, you know, obviously, social security is just one small piece of it. Uh, you know, but you want to have some. You want to have your income stream set up. Uh, you know, and and ideally you want to have some tax-free sources of income, right? Like it could be a health savings account. It could be your, your Roth IRA account. Um, and, and, but you also want to have taxable, you know, sources of income, which is just a regular account. But, but by having these different accounts that you can choose from tax-free and taxable, uh, you, you can kind of, we should be able to manipulate them. In other words, turn them on, turn them off when we want to, Mm -hmm. and to help you save money on your taxes as well. Sure. You know? Sure. And and all of that plays into how much Social Security is taxed. A lot of a lot of people in the high and the high income category, um, you, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them have just accepted the fact that okay, they're going to pay tax on their Social Security, um, and and they're because they just have too much income coming in, and and so you know if that's the case, maybe we can help you figure out other ways to structure the income so you don't so you don't have to do that. I like um, that. You, you know, so there's a lot of different things we can look at. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things you could do for income. You know, a lot of people have talked about real estate, you know, and, and real estate has been exploding lately and having, how having, uh, some real estate properties as a passive source of income is something, is something else to consider. Mm -hmm. And I agree, it's something to consider, but I, but I would, I would throw caution in that argument as well. Um, you know, I happen to know several people that have lost their shirts investing in real estate. Um, you know, and, and they, they were of the opinion that it only goes up, but, but, uh, some of the properties that they invested in. Uh, they had tenants that turned into, you know, I'm going to say nightmares. They were yeah, they were nightmares. They didn't pay the rent. They stopped paying the rent. They wouldn't move out. And it takes months and months and months to evict people in a lot of courses in a lot of courts. I mean, uh, and depending on where you're at, you know, depending on the court process, it could take a long time. And if you've got a property, you're still paying the bills on and you've got no rent coming in for six, seven, eight months. You know, you could wind up being upside down. Oh, gosh. And, yes. and, and, and I know some folks that went through that. Um, you know, so if you're a builder, if you've got experience in the construction trades, you know, you're a tradesman, a plumber, electrician, and you know, guys that do all those other trades, then I think you're in a fantastic spot to take advantage of the real estate market for, whether it's for investments or flipping or, uh, potentially being a landlord. Um, you know, but, but because I think that if you have the ability to do it yourself, a lot of the maintenance, a lot of the work, um, that's where you can really make a big bang for your buck.
0: Of course. Um,
1: you know, so so I think it's something to take a look at, but take a look at your skill set as well, you know? And, and um, you know, for instance, myself, you know, my, my, my expertise is in the stock market. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a builder. And, and and it'll probably be a very bad idea for me to take that on. Um, <laughs> you know, so a... I think, yeah, so I, th- I think everybody should look at, you know, be aware of your skill sets, where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are. Um, and, you know, wherever you're strong, capitalize on it. And wherever you're weak, try to find the best people you can to help you out with it. Sure. I I, I think that's the best way to me.
0: Sure, absolutely. Well, we got a couple of minutes, so let's uh, let's go to a couple of questions or at least one question um, from listeners. And uh, we'll start with Paul. He says, I'm fairly confident that my dividend-paying stocks will provide the income that I need in retirement. But sometimes I wonder if I'm relying too heavily on that plan. Do I need to diversify the income side of my portfolio? I like the question.
1: It's no, that, that's a really good question. You, you know what I don't I, I my, my initial my, my reflex answer is yes, you need to, to diversify. Sure. Uh, but the fact the fact is, I don't have enough information to really tell you that um, from a, from what from the note, I think it's a good question. And I think if you're asking that question, then you should sit down with somebody to get a second look, maybe sit down with a couple of folks to get a few different opinions. Because it's think of it as an exercise that's going to help you what whether you work with them or not, you're going to gain information. And you'll get you'll get some ideas that maybe you hadn't considered and and so i, I would definitely encourage you to, to meet with some folks you know i'd be happy to meet with you and, and anybody else you'd like to talk to but I do think you should take a look to diversify it because depending on what you own there, there could be risk you know one thing for instance uh, uh, and I would say I agree that dividends are a great idea right now because if you're like me I do think the market is is richly valued i would like to see it trade sideways actually if it trades sideways for the next six months i'd be, i'd be thrilled in other words, just up or down, up or down, up or down. You know, maybe four or five percent. Yeah. And, and until until the earnings of the companies can kind of can grow more, right, and they can catch up to the valuation that we have, then we'll have a nice base that we could launch from going forward. But I think but I think uh, uh, you know we've had a heck of a year, and and so my point is, depending on you might be getting five percent dividends, but but you could lose that five percent from the stock price in just you know half of a day, right? Of course. Um, you know, so you want to be careful, uh, depending on the stocks that you own, you know, like, for instance, some of them, like, for instance, AT&T in the last, you know, for quite a while, let's just say that uh, has sported a beautiful dividend. But, you know, you've probably lost a lot of money on the stock, though. So, you know, so there's always that trade-off. So, I, so I'd want to take a look at your streams of income to see how well diversified they are.
0: Sure. Paul, it's eight hundred nine Let's grab another question here as long as we're going. Um, sure. Ed- Edward has uh, checked in with us and, and says, I, I like this question too. He says, I have an annuity that I'm very pleased with, but I still have about $200,000 sitting in cash. My advisor has suggested that I put that money into another annuity, but I'm not sure that makes sense to have a second one. What do you think?
1: Uh, well, I tell you what, I've got a lot. Of, I, I wouldn't hold back just because if it's if for some reason that you, you might not think a second annuity is a good idea. I think if, if you're very pleased with the first one, to me, it makes a lot of sense to consider a second one. Um, I've got a lot of clients that have multiple annuity contracts. Um, one reason somebody has multiple annuity contracts is because uh, they're concerned about the solvency of the underlying carrier and they don't want to put more with one carrier than is covered by the state guarantee uh, insurance fund. Um, and so that's. Not a reason to buy or sell a contract, I should say, um, but I think it's important to be aware of it. You know, uh, in, in a lot of states, the coverage is up to two hundred fifty thousand. Meaning, if the insurance company becomes insolvent, all right, um, then then you you should be protected in that case from the state. In the case of insurance and annuity products, they're all ba- they're all uh, regulated by by the state level, as opposed to FDIC insurance, let's say, on banks. So it's not a federal regulation; it's a state by state regulation. Uh, so that would just that would just be one reason, but I wouldn't say to avoid it because you don't want to have a second one. I'd say to look into the merits of it, and see if it makes sense. Okay, you know the big the biggest drawback with annuities is the lack of liquidity. Uh, but if you don't need the money and you want to keep it safe, that might be a good thing to take a look at.
0: Well, I think this is a, I think Edward's in Edward's case, it's a, it's a prime example of why you want a second opinion.
1: No, no question. And and guys, I I always encourage second opinions. Uh, I'm I'm certainly happy to give you my opinion if you ever like to sit down. I never charge for it. Um, but I think it's a good idea because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you're going to get you're probably going to get more information and you're probably going to, you know, maybe hear something you hadn't considered before. And and that can make a world of difference. It can make a ton of difference as you go forward.
0: Sure. Well, again, uh, so this has been a fun show, Kevin. I mean, I know it's a it's a, it's a holiday week and people are kind of geared up to get out and get on the road and, and good for them. But uh, again, I, I think the information today was really
1: important and, and uh, you know, kind of fun to be able to have that discussion. I I appreciate it, Steve. You know what it is. We're we're all looking forward to Thanksgiving, which is why you know we, we're doing the show a little bit earlier. So I hope everybody has a very safe and enjoyable Thanksgiving. And don't don't make any impulse quick moves in in, in your portfolio. I think it's uh, I th- I think it's important that you have a long term perspective for money in the stock market. If you're concerned about the short term moves, then definitely give me a call because you might have a little too much exposure.